Good afternoon. Uh, I don't know about you, but I hadn't realised how thirsty I was until we got back together. And then when we get back together and I see you and we worship, it's like a long, cold drink on a hot day. And I hadn't even realised I was thirsty. So, thanks. And we are starting our new series, which is a continuation of looking at Jesus. And really, um, what I want to do is stand up here in a pink tutu, like I'm a toddler, dance around, going, Jesus is great, Jesus is great, Jesus is really, really great. But as I, not to, and I can't dance, I thought you might feel a bit shortchanged. But if you hold that image in your head while I'm speaking, you will get hold of some of my heart. Because this Jesus that we worship is just mind-blowingly amazing. Um, many of us have known him for a long time and know his faithfulness. Some of us are probably in the first throes of our romance. And maybe there's some of you here that are just looking for an introduction to the King of Kings. You know, it really doesn't matter because no matter how long or how short we've known him, there is never a point that we get to the end of what we can learn of him. And that's sort of the attitude I'd like you to take into this series, really. Whether you've worshipped him for 50 years or five months, he is so vast and so amazing and so glorious that there is always something new that he will want to show you. So I'd really ask you that as we go through this series... Take the time week by week to invite the Holy Spirit to open up something new about Jesus the Christ. Something you didn't know, some aspect of your relationship that can be changed. Just week by week, invite the Spirit and let's see where we are at the end of this series. My topic, oh, look, I've got to remember to press this left, right. Have I done it? Oh, there we go, eternal Jesus. Let me go back and go back to that. Anyway, my topic is the eternal Jesus, okay? <laughs> the eternal Jesus in 20 minutes, yeah. Not going to happen, I'm telling you now. If you go away disappointed, you say, well, she did talk about that bit. Yeah, I own it, that is okay. Um, but I hope to blow your minds a little bit. Because the eternal Jesus, you know, let's clean our windows and expand our view and take in a deep breath and prepare to meet him. My passage today is from... Um, the prologue to John's Gospel. But, and it's rich and it's full, and I'll come to that. But, you know, if we 
have the same relationship today that we have with Jesus when we first met him. Something is wrong. Nick and I have been married, oh, left, right, (laughs) 31 years this year, 31 years. And we are blessed. We have a really good marriage, praise the Lord. You know, and part of that is because we have invested in growing with each other through those years. We've been through a lot of valleys and we've been up a lot of mountains. And actually, I can honestly say that I know him more, trust him more, and love him more now than on the day I married him. You know? And it is the same with our relationship with Jesus. If my understanding of him is the same as it was 34 years ago when I gave my life to him, that would be pretty dismal. Because we have also been through many valleys and many mountain tops. In fact, if my relationship with Jesus is the same as it was even a year ago or six months ago, that still wouldn't be great. You know, it's not that Jesus changes. We know that scripture tells us that about God. But we do, we change. And as we do, he reveals more of himself to us. It's not preaching unless you get in some C.S. Lewis. And I love this quote from Prince Caspian. So no heavy theology here. Lucy is seeing Aslan again for the first time after a while. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger That's because you're older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And the same is true of us and Jesus. Every year we grow, he will get bigger because we cannot outgrow him, this eternal Jesus. So the prologue of John's Gospel. I love this piece of scripture. It's actually my test scripture when I look at a new translation. So if a translation words it in such a way that captures its beauty and its magnificence, I will like and use that translation. If it doesn't, got no time for it. It's a good scripture. And I want us to listen to it. But I want us to listen to it really carefully because I really believe that God wants to speak to us today. Okay, so we're going to read his word and we're going to read it twice. It's a long passage and we're going to read it twice in two different translations because I want the verses themselves to speak to us. One version you'll know and be familiar with, but I've purposely picked one which translates it different. As you listen to the richness in these words, take note of what jumps out to you. What is God wanting to speak to you through his words? Could I have my lovely readers up, please? 
In the beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, the living expression made all things, for nothing has existence apart from him. A fountain of life was in him, for his life is light and full for all humanity. And this light never fails to shine through the darkness. Light that darkness could not overcome. Suddenly, a man appeared who was sent from God. A messenger named John. For he came as a witness to point the way to the light of life. And to help everyone believe. John was not the light, but he came to show who is. For he was merely a messenger to speak the truth about the light. For the perfect light of truth was coming into the world and shine upon everyone. He entered into the world he created, yet the world was unaware. He came to the people he created to those who should have received him, but they did not recognize him. For those who embraced him and took hold of his name, he gave authority to become the children of God. He was not born by joining of human parents or from natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of God. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. We gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John announced the truth about him when he taught the people, he's the one. He's the one I've been telling you would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, because he has excited, oh sorry, he has existed before I was even born. And from the overflow of his fullness, we receive grace heaped upon grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils the truth wrapped in tender mercy. No one ever before gazed upon the full splendor of God except his uniquely beloved Son who is cherished by the Father and held close to his heart. Now that he has come to us, he has unfolded the full explanation of who God truly is. This is the version you'll be more familiar with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. Now the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now he was in the world, and although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. But John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace and in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. Wow, hey, it's with a bit of trepidation I even attempt to unpack any of that. And if some of those words stirred your heart, something dropped out to you, just keep hold of it, treasure it, and then take it home and unpack it with God. Or if you need to, unpack it with someone here at the end of the service. What I want to do this morning is to highlight three points. Jesus as the word, Jesus as the light, and the promise of being called his children. You know, the idea of the word of God wasn't a new one to John's readers, little bit of back history here. Philo of Alexandria was a contemporary of Jesus, a Jew, and um, he talked about the word of God saying, the shadow of God is in his word, an instrument when he was making the world 
and a supplicant on behalf of mankind. And in another set of Jewish writings called the Jewish Turgum, which just means the posh word for translation, the Jerusalem translation, if you like, um, Genesis 3, 8 reads, They, that's Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the word of the Lord walking in the garden. And Genesis 19.24 translates as, And the word of the Lord himself had made to descend upon the people of Sodom and Gomorrah fire from before the Lord of heaven. So the concept of the word of God was something that Paul's Jewish readers would have been aware of. But what John does do, sorry, Paul, John, what John does do is he takes it further. When he uses the term the word, he's going past that Jewish understanding of a personification of God, but uses the familiar term to introduce this new mind-blowing concept. Yeah. That the word, Jesus, was the true word of God, the living word of God, God incarnate, fully God and fully man, who came to reveal to mankind and redeem anyone from their sin who would put their trust in him. The vastness of that compared to that previous understanding is... This one we know as Jesus was and is the word who was there at the very beginning, dancing in the intimacy of the Trinity. And we see him throughout the Old Testament whenever God interacts with his creation. In fact, the word, this word we worship, is the very life force behind of all of God's creation. And he is intrinsically connected with it. And life itself is dependent on him. Without the word, there is no life. Trouble is, our, our English language isn't sufficient. We translate this word as the word, and it's like, oh, what does that mean? You know, is it a word I speak? Is it a written word on a page? It's just not enough. N.T. Wright talks of Jesus being the exegete of God, which is just a posh word for saying he reveals God to us. So in his understanding, the word is the revelation of God. But even this isn't enough. Because scripture tells us he does even more than reveal God to us. You know, his word, when he speaks, it is obeyed. You know, Psalm 33 verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and the starry host by the breath of his mouth. You know, I'm a scientist and I truly believe the reason the universe is still expanding is because when that command went out, it is still reverberating out 
And every time it reaches a new limit, new creation takes place. That is the power of the eternal Jesus, the Word. You know, different translators have tried different options. There's a guy called J.B. Phillips, and he talks about the word being the personal expression of God. And go to in Faust, yes, I'm quoting Faust, says, in the beginning was the action. So maybe the word in action is, is closer. But why does it matter? Do words really matter that much? How many of you have got together with friends and then, you know, if you start talking God and sharing your stories, you feel lighter. You feel your faith rise. You feel your hope rise. You feel, yes, yeah, I can keep on doing this. The words we use either diminish him Or increase him. Our choice of words will affect our level of faith. And when we ponder those words, we give the Holy Spirit a chance to change us. So we're going to do that now just for a minute. I would like you all to close your eyes. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And I want you to ponder this eternal Jesus. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come even now in the midst of this talk, Lord, and show us something of our Lord. This eternal Jesus. The word who spoke creation into being. The one who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Who spoke with Abraham and who carried out judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. The one who laid in a manger and healed the lepers and gave sight to the blind. The one who hung on a cross so that you and I can take our place in his family and become those who also reveal God to the world. when we put our trust in him, we become fellow revealers with Jesus of God, our Father, of his kingdom, of his mercy, of his forgiveness, of his grace, of his power, of his loving kindness. You are an exegete of God. Right back at the beginning, before time, the word in heaven 
challenged the darkness. And he challenged the darkness before he even spoke creation into being. And then he challenged and he continues to challenge the darkness that is now tragically found within his creation itself. The word, the light of the world, is bringing into being God's new creation. And he is once again saying, let there be light. Let there be light in my people. Let there be light in our homes. Let there be light in our workplaces. Let there be light in our schools and universities. Let there be light in our hospitals and our prisons, in our neighborhoods, our nightclubs. Let there be light, this eternal Jesus. But sadly, when he came into the world, his world, the one he created with his voice, it didn't accept him and it didn't acknowledge him. And we still see that today. It was as if his world brought into being by the command of his voice, preferred the darkness to his light. But our God is amazing. Fresh grace was needed. Grace on top of the grace already given by God in the law. And that grace, that new grace upon grace, which was needed to lead us out of darkness into the light, is Jesus, the light of the world. And when we put our faith in him and we worship him, we are rescued from the darkness. And we too receive that light. We are rescued from the darkness. And we receive the light. Zechariah 9, 16 to 17 says, The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. If you have put your trust in the Lord, you are beautiful and you sparkle. It made me think of Phil's word last week about the people lining up outside and coming in as we build this mosaic, this mosaic of jewels and light. And it is though us being beautiful that they see the light. Because our beauty isn't ours. It's the light of the world shining out through us. We are lanterns for our Lord. We too then are light bearers, able to help others find their way out of that darkness 
and into the presence of the light of the world. When Jesus, the word, the light came, you know, it was God himself who came and tabernacled with us. That God came and pitched his tent in our midst. And when he did so, he released his rivers of living water and said, come if you're thirsty and drink. That water flows and runs to redeem his creation. Person by person, tree by tree, street by street, home by home. Whoever puts their trust in him may drink of this living water and receive his light and his light. And he gives them and us the right to be called his children. I am a child of the eternal Lord. You are a child of the eternal Lord. That is who you are. Don't let anybody else write you any other description. That is who you are. You're an exegete of God. You're a light to the world. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. If we believe, then we too are now part of God's story of his rescue plan for the world. N.T. Wright says this. In this play, this great drama of God, there are many roles. And God is in search of actors to fulfill them. There are parts for everyone. For you and for I, alongside Jesus the star. There is a role for you to play alongside Jesus. This Jesus we worship is amazing and inspiring. He's all-powerful and all-knowing, but he's gentle and full of love. He's holy, and yet he's merciful. And he is holding out his torch to you and to I and anyone else who puts their trust in him. We are now the revealers, the light-bearers, the gospel-carriers. Are you ready? Do you know your part in the play? I wonder, is there anything that Jesus has been speaking to you this afternoon that you can act on? Is there anything that's been blocking your view of who Jesus is? Do you need help to take your place on the stage? Or are you tired? Do you need to be energized and encouraged? Are you aware if there's anything dimming your light? How are you going to respond to what you've heard this morning?
Are you an artist? Are you a poet? Maybe you ponder things in a journal, maybe a chat over coffee with a friend or prayer in a triplet or small group. All I would ask is if the Holy Spirit has prompted you today, take hold of it, be jealous of it, act on it, don't let it drift away. On your way out, you'll see there's a box of candles. What I'd really have liked to do was get you all to come up and light one, but COVID sensitivity, we don't want to do that yet. But I would invite you to prophetically take a candle out with you as a statement that you are a light in this world. And go and light it at home. Put it somewhere you can see it. Let it burn out tonight as a reminder of who you are. So when you get busy doing everything else, you'll just catch sight of that light and go, ah, no, I remember, that's who I am. I'm just going to pray. Um, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, stay seated, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, Lord, Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being your children. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of worshipping you. Lord, we thank you that we are gospel bearers, lights in the darkness. Lord, revealers of God. Lord, would you come now, Lord, and meet each and every one of us, Lord, where we are. Lord, would you put your hand upon us and show us the next step. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you.